Okay, this is a shir on Likutei Sichas, the 21st volume, 21st book of Likutei Sichas, Sicha of Parshas Kitisa, the third Sicha. In this week's Parsha, which speaks about Meshach Rabbeinu, asking Hashem, this is the Parsha where the Jewish people do the most unimaginable sin possible, and that is the sin of the Egel Azov, the golden calf. So, of course, after the Jewish people do such a sin, we need to, Moshe Rabbeinu asks for forgiveness. And as part of the process, he says, Please show me, Hashem, your glory. And Hashem answered, You can't see my face. You will see my back, but my front, my face, you will not see. So Rashi quotes these words, You will see my back. And he explains... He showed him the knot of his tefillin. One would assume that he showed him the knot. Where's There's a few knots on the tefillin. The main knot, if he's talking about uh, a knot that's in the back, on the back of the head, when we put on tefillin, the, the head tefillin has a knot which goes at the bottom of the skull. So he showed him, we would assume that's what it means. He showed him, Hashem showed him on the tefillin that he was wearing, he showed him the knot of the tefillin. Now, Rashi explains, Rashi comes to explain the simple meaning of the Pasuk always. It's basically Rashi. When Rashi, literal translation of the Torah was never meant to be, we never meant to read the Torah with a literal translation. Because the Torah was given together with a context. Rashi brings the basic context, and whatever he explains has to be, it's the basic reading. So we have to understand why did Rashi have to put in any additional details? Rashi said, "You'll see my back." So it means you'll see once see Hashem's face, you'll see his back. Why does he superimpose a Peter's? Why does he add a uh, uh, say that what that means is not just simply Hashem's back, but it means that Hashem showed him the knot of the film. Now, what you may think to answer is that Rashi had a question: How can you use such physical language, talk about the front and the back, with Hashem. Hashem is divested of any form, right? So so he Rashi is bothered, perhaps, by the fact that it says, you'll see my back. What does that mean? You see the back of Hashem. But that can't be the reason why Rashi gives us a further allegory and says the he showed him the knot of film because many times in the Torah there are physical descriptions of Hashem and Rashi doesn't come and tell us it doesn't really mean physically. Rashi says, uh, Hashem says, I'll take you out with an outstretched arm. Rashi doesn't come and tell the five-year-old, there's no arm, it's not outstretched, it's allegory. We, we, Rashi assumes that we understand that it's allegory. We know Hashem doesn't have any, any form, any body. Right? As we see actually in this passage itself, Hashem says, you can't see my front. Rashi doesn't explain what does the front mean. But don't worry, it doesn't really mean his face. He doesn't explain it. He understands. He understands that there's an allegory. What face means? Face means something symbolic. So now Rashi could have just said, "You won't see my face. You'll see my back." Why does he have to give any interpretation to that point of achoyra of back? And the question is even greater because if this is what's bothering Rashi, that what does it mean back when you're talking about Hashem who's divested, who's formless, who's not who's, 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 who's not corporeal, doesn't have any physical 
physical features. <laughs> so what does he answer? No, it's not Hashem's back. He showed him the knot of tefillin. And a knot of tefillin, Hashem, Hashem does have leather straps with a knot tied around his head for tefillin. So what how what was the explanation that Rashi that Rashi gave instead of saying back? He says, no, he showed him a knot of a tefillin. That doesn't do anything. That doesn't that doesn't uh, um give any additional uh, uh, solace or comfort to the fact that there's physical terms being used there. On the contrary, if you want to give a, a, a parable to a five-year-old talking about face and back is much more palatable, something he's much more familiar with. We see what is a face. A face is where all the chushim, all the all, all the senses of the person are to be found. Seeing, hearing, the back of a person, you don't see that this has the advantage of being a person, a, a, a uh, Adam, a person. You just see, you see a back, you see skin and bones, flesh, whatever it is. That would be front, face of a person, back of a person are concepts that are far easier for a five-year-old to understand in the terms of what it means that you see more of a revelation to, of Hashem or less of a relation with Hashem. It's more clear to a five-year-old than talking to him about the knot of the film. So right as Rashi bring a, 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 a parable that seems to be more, usually you bring a mushal, you give an example of something that's more easy to understand. Here the mushal seems more different, different, more difficult to understand than what the mushal is trying to explain. The so, nimshal. So, 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 it's a different point, not not relevant to this point. Yeah, you're bringing. What does it say? That tefillin of Hashem is me. Oh yes, we know that there's a concept that Hashem wears tefillin. Every thirteen year old at the bar mitzvah says, "What does it say in the tefillin of Hashem? Hashem wears tefillin. That's why we wear tefillin, not like a, a regular king. He tells the people to do one thing and he does whatever he wants. Hashem, the mitzvahs he does, he then shares with us and tells us to do. So he also puts on tefillin. That's where that's why we're talking about Hashem having a knot of tefillin, but. What does that help? Why does Rashi have to give this here in the simple reading of the Pasuk? And how does that help? If if we wanted to say that understanding the context of Hashem's face and back is difficult for a five-year-old, understanding the knot of the film is even more difficult. Also, we have to understand in the language of Rashi, now we're going to ask a, a language question. The Pasuk says, Vira'ita et you will see my back. That's the... Um, um, Rashi says, Isa, you will see. And Rashi, that's the, the heading, the kepal, the heading. And then Rashi carries on and says, Her ahu kesha shal He showed him the knot of the tefillin. Usually what Rashi would do is, Vira'ita, and you will see. And then he would say, Kesha shal tefillin. The word you will see is already quoted in the heading of Rashi from the puzzle. So he doesn't have to write again. He showed him the knot of the tefillin. Here Rashi seems to inject and insert an extra a double, and he showed him. The Pasuk said, Vira'ita, Rashi says it in the heading, and you will see. He should have just said, Kesha shall tefillin, the knot of the tefillin. Why does Rashi say, Her'au, he showed him the knot of the tefillin. Paragraph two. So the explanation in this is, interesting that ever very often builds up questions, many questions, and we don't get to the explanation until paragraph three, four, five. Here, the second paragraph is where he's going to give us the answer. But for this, we have to I have to, we have to uh, look, uh, we don't look into the Chumash uh, literally, but at least conceptually we have to see what the sequence of the verses here are. Before 
Moshe Rab, before Hashem answered Moshe on his question, which he said, please show me your glory, which to that Hashem responded, you can't see my face, I'll show you my back. But yet before that, right after Moshe asked the question, please Hashem, show me your glory. He didn't immediately say, I can't show you. First Hashem said something else. Hashem said, I'll pass all my goodness in front of you. I, says God, will call out in the name of Hashem in your presence. And I will find grace for those who I want to give grace to. And I will be merciful to those I want to be merciful to. Only after that, Hashem says, oh, by the way, you asked to see my glory? Can't show you my face, only my back. So why he didn't answer him right away. Why was that extra pasuk added? He says, please show me your glory. He should have right away said, sorry, I can't show you my face. I can show you my back. He didn't. That comes after another pasuk. That the intermediary pasuk says, I will pass all my goodness in front of you. And I will, I, Hashem says, I will call out with the name of Hashem. I'll call out with my own name in your presence. What's that for? Why does he inject that? So Rashi says, what does that mean that Hashem said, I'll show you my glory? What does it mean when Moshe Benin says, no show me your glory? What Rashi says, that Hashem's responding, the time has come indeed that you should see my glory to the extent that I will show you. But there's a reason why I want to expose you and show you and reveal to you my glory because... I need to teach you Seder Tefillah. I need to teach you the way to pray. I'm going to pass all my attribute of goodness before you by the rock. You'll hide in the cleft of the rock. I will call out in my name. I'll call out in the name of God in your presence, Moshe. To teach you Seder Bakashat Rachamim, the order and the way in which you shall request mercy for the Jewish people in the future. And you will know that in this order, this method that you see me, wrapped up, and reading the 13 attributes of mercy, you should teach the Jewish people to do the same thing. How do we know what to do on days that we pray for Hashem's mercy? Days of Yom Kippur and days when we ask Hashem for particular mercy. We wrap ourselves in a talus and we say, the Hashem, Hashem, the certain attributes of mercy. This was taught to Moshe Rabbeinu when he asked, show me your glory. Hashem said, you know what? I have to show you something. I'm going to show you how to call out in my name when you need to effect forgiveness for the Jewish people. And he showed, Hashem showed him a vision of Hashem being the chazan, being leading the service, wrapped up in a talus, reading Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachum Vechan. I don't know if you use that tune, but that was the thing, the 13 attributes of mercy. Can you continuation to that? Hashem says, by the way, I'm going to show you that, but you asked me to show the full glory, I can't show you my face. When I pass all my goodness in front of you, you're not going to see my face. You're going to see my back. So in other words, that you will, when Hashem's telling him, you will see my back, it's not unrelated to the intermediary Pasuk where he says, of course it's a mashal, but it's not unrelated to the Pasuk where he says, I'm going to be wrapped in a talus and read the 13 attributes. A continuation to that, Hashem, he, Moshe Rabbeinu asks, can I see your, I want to see your glory. Hashem says, you know what? I do want to reveal to you some very special stuff because you need this to, 
pray for the Jewish people in the future, now and in the future, to call out in the name of Hashem using the Shlosh Dot Halachamim, the 13 attributes of mercy. So Hashem says, I'll pass in front of you like a like a Shliach Tzibur, like a, um, um, he doesn't say the word Shliach Tzibur, but I'll pass in front of you wrapped up. Um, actually, he doesn't say the word Shliach Tzibur that ever brings here. Um, this is the source from where that we know that the representative of the tzibur, the, the chazan, should be wrapped up like this in the talus. You can't say he was like that. There was nothing to compare it to back then. He, he. Shem initiated this concept. And he says, by the way, when I show you this, I'm not going to show you my, my face. I'll show you my back. So now we understand. One second. Where is the tefillin, by the way, right? So let, let's let's go step after step. Now it's starting to make sense that Hashem showing in the back is continuing the discussion that is inserted one possibly before that where Hashem said, I'm going to teach you how to pray the 13 attributes. And Hashem said, it'll be, Hashem came wrapped in a talus. Paragraph three. According to this, we'll we, is, according to this though, we have a question. It's not understood. What does the pasuk mean? You'll see my back. If Hashem appeared to him like a chazan, like a shliach tzibur that's wrapped up in a talus, and Hashem and, and Moshe only sees the back, so what kind of glory does he see? When somebody's wrapped up in a talus, you don't even see his back. All you see is the talus. Here there's a square bracket with it says, one second. When you see, if the talus was something special, the talus, if, if a talus, let's say, had to be made, like the like the clothing of the Kayan had to be woven with tapestry, with gold, with linen, with 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 uh, purple, with thing. So then maybe you could understand that since the materials are like when we talk about the clothes of the Kayan, like Kavodalutifaret for glory and for beauty. So maybe then you could say that seeing God wrapped up in his talus is seeing a certain element of Hashem's glory. However, we don't find that a talus has any particular requirements in terms of the fabric. On the contrary, generally Jewish people have a simple custom that they wear a wool, a simple woolen talus. I mean, those the browns, the black stripes is 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 custom shabba custom. It's 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 a very low level it's not even a custom. That's the way they always made them. You could have blue stripes, you got yellows, that doesn't make a difference. It's, it has to be the main thing is it should be generally speaking it should be tzemer, it should be wool. And especially that many opinions say when the word talis is used um, <clears throat> in this statement of our sages that Hashem was wrapped up in a talis means in a garment. Like when it says Shnai Batalit in the Mishnah, famous Mishnah, two people come to the basin grabbing each, they're both holding on to two sides of a talis. Now when we, because we use the word talis, talit, as, as in the shul context, we think they're hanging on to a talus from shul, they're arguing about it. Really, it means two people hanging on to a garment. Talit is a garment. Some uh, uh, mefarshim explain here that Hashem wrapped up, mu'utaf betalit, <coughs> means wrapped in a garment, <coughs> covered over. So if he's covered over, what's vera'ita etacholai? What kind of glory does he see by seeing his back? He just sees a garment of Hashem, but still a garment. So that's why Rashi says, no, he showed him the knot of the tefillin. In other words, the fact that you'll see me wrapped up 
with a talus means also wearing tefillin. We know a five-year-old knows that a chazan, when he prays, sometimes he's only wearing a, a talus, like on Shabbos, Shabbos and Yom Tov. He's only wrapped in a the talus. There's no tefillin on those days. Sometimes he wears a talus and tefillin. So he says that Rashi introduces here, what is he going to see? If you just see Hashem covered over from the back, you're not seeing anything. You're not seeing his glory. Now he's going to see something that's usually available at the back, which that's the knot of the tefillin. Remember we asked, why does Rashi add another word? And he showed him. Why doesn't Rashi just follow all the words? You will see my back. Rashi adds, Hashem will her'ahu. He showed him the tie of the tefillin, the knot of the tefillin. He had to add that word, Rashi. You know why? Because if you picture in your mind somebody wearing a talus, do you see the back of his tefillin? He's covered over. When you're mu'utaf, when you're wrapped in a talus, the tefillin, the talus is covering the back of your head and the knot of your tefillin, which is at the bottom of your, the base of your skull, is covered over. So that's why Rashi adds, Her'au, Hashem made a point to uncover the talus and show him the knot of the tefillin. And that is what it means seeing the glory from, of Hashem from the back. Rashi doesn't have to explain to the five-year-old what this means because a five-year-old has seen people wearing head tefillin. The head tefillin is on the head like a crown, which surrounds the head. And it's something of, of glory and something of, 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 of honor. So he explains which part of the tefillin is he showing The fact that he's, that he's showing the knot of the tefillin, not the straps, even though the straps are more visible. Because if you think about it, look at picture the back of the head of somebody wearing tefillin. The, the neck, the, the, the knot sometimes could be covered over. Somebody has a big yarmulke, a big kippah, could be it's covering over the, the knot. But where the string, where the, where the straps are hanging down, there's a part where they go down further, and definitely you'll be able to see them. But nonetheless, huh? So about the size of the neck. From the back, you'll also see them. Mm -hmm. Now, this that the film, the head film, are like a crown, and therefore something of kavod. Hashem says, I'll show you my glory, but from the back, that really starts, and that's dependent on the kesher on the knot. Because the knot is what makes the straps be tight and be able to be held like a crown on the head. So when Hashem is showing him the, the the his back, Rashi interprets that this means Rashi didn't make it up. He took it from Medrash from Gemara. But why it needs to be inserted to the five year old into the simple reading of the Chumash is because otherwise, what did he see? He showed him the back, but if if he came to show him how to daven and he's wrapped up in a garment or in a talus and he's showing him his back and he says, that's seeing my glory from the back. What kind of glory? So Rashi says, no, no, no. There's a glorious thing that the tefillin are called glory, but he showed him from the back. He showed him the tie of the tefillin. And now we want to understand what's so special about the kesher shil tefillin. What's so special indeed about the knot of the tefillin? So now we get something beautiful in the panemius when we look into the deeper level of this, we're going to have a deeper explanation on tzitzis and tefillin, especially the knots. Paragraph four. We still have to understand, at least at the, at the deeper level, since the fulfillment of the request that Moshe Rabbeinu made. 
which was please show me your glory. At least in a way that <coughs> that Hashem says, you'll see my back. So it came together at the same time when Hashem taught Moshe Rabbeinu say there to fill the order of prayer of saying the 13 midas, you'd give me the 13 attributes of mercy. It must be, it's not just uh, um, haphazard, it's not just uh, by chance or a side matter that by teaching Moshe Rabbeinu the order of requesting mercy, Hashem showed his back and he showed him the knot of the tefillin. No, no, no. This must be something very significant in the process of asking Hashem for mercy and forgiveness for sin. Why? What? How does the, the knot of the tefillin play an integral role in what, in what Hashem is teaching Moshe Rabbeinu how to ask for forgiveness for sinfulness. So first we'll understand that he said that he taught him the order of prayer when he was wrapped up and reading, Hashem was wrapped up and reading the 13 attributes. From this we understand that, uh, from here we need to understand the main aspect of prayer is the saying of the 13 attributes of mercy. The saying of those merciful things, so to speak, um, engender and 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 elicit from Hashem by calling Hashem merciful and and forgiving. That elicits from from Hashem those kinds of attributes, right? By by praising Him for those things. So the main thing is saying those things. Why is it so important that at the same time these are being said from the context of being mu'utaf? It seems to be an important. Detail that Hashem is that the one who's saying it is wrapped up in a talus. Why is it so important when asking forgiveness to be wrapped up? It seems that the main thing of forgiveness is saying the words, eliciting and praising Hashem for being merciful, and thus Hashem strengthens and, and, and his his attribute of mercy and forgiveness and forgives. What's the connection with the tzitzis here? So we could say one of the explanations, paragraph five, like this. And here that ever goes into it's almost a uh, not naive, but uh, but a, a, a pure looking at sin from from a place of purity, and looking at sin as being something that's really unnatural. Most people think sinfulness is natural, and being pious, being good, is unnatural. Oh, you have to work so hard. No, the reverse is true. The natural state should be sinlessness. It's a uh, dysfunction to be sinful. How so? The general concept of sin, which if we fell into sin, that would be the reason to um, pray and ask Hashem for mercy, that we should be saved from sin. Where does sin come from? It comes from forgetfulness. From not remembering the important things of life. In general, shikha, forgetfulness, is something that has its source in kalipa, in the husk that covers over holiness, not in holiness. In Kedusha, we say, we say this on Rosh Hashanah, there's no forgetfulness in front of Hashem's holy throne. Forgetfulness comes from absent-mindedness, comes from not paying attention, comes from uh, maybe brain cells degenerating, comes from 
it's not coming from something from, from powerful, from wholesomeness, from completeness. In Hashem's world, in Hashem's, in Kedusha, everything's important. I, I would even add to say, again, I'm just going out on my own, doesn't say this here, that we don't pay attention to all the details in the first place, which is probably why we forget them. They don't mean so much to us because for us, the, the, we see what's important, the big the big story. But if everything is being created by Hashem, every detail is from Hashem. So really, yeah. every detail is is godly. So at Sadiq, right. looking at something, will remember all the details as well because the, every detail is also exact and, 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 and important in Hashem's world. So, Jews are believers, the son of believers. Every Jew believes deep down, innately, that Bereshit Barai Lokim Hashem created heaven and earth and all of the forces of heaven and earth. And Hashem is not just created 5,774 years ago, but Hashem is creating Bechol Yom Tamid. He's constantly renewing the creation, the, the creation every day and every moment. Hashem is being mechadish, he's renewing from new the entire gamut of creation, from ex nihilo, from creating something from absolute nothingness. Just like that, Rebbe says that at every moment, it's just like the creation of the six days of creation. So now the question is, I heard, by the way, a nice mushal, a nice uh, parable to understand this. Imagine you uh, blow bubbles. We don't like our kids doing this. Give them a straw to drink, and instead of sucking in, they blow out. Blow out. It's fun. You make bubbles in your cup. With milk, we used to do with milk. You can make mamish, the bubbles, the substance that you can hold. So um, how long will bubbles last in water when you blow a straw in water? If you stop blowing, the bubbles will stop. As long as you blow oxygen in there, there'll be water. There'll be bubbles when you stop. That's, a, that's if we could understand, that's the way Hashem creating heaven and earth constantly. If he's creating, it's happening. If, it, if you'd stop creating, it just wouldn't be. So he's always, the creative force is always there. So the question is, when a Jew really, and, and Jews believe that. Innately, we believe that. So if so, if a Jew fully comprehends that in every moment, that in this moment, he's just created, Shem has renewed him from nothing. And in another moment, Hashem needs to create him again by his, the utterance of his mouth, from ex nihilo, from, from nothing to something. How is it possible that the Jew, even if, God forbid, he's the biggest Baal Taiva, he's the biggest indulger of all indulgers. Hey, wow, even he gets, when he gets hungry for something indulgent, oh, wow. Even if he's that kind of guy. But if he knows Hashem just created him, he's creating him now, needs to create him the next one. How can he not hold himself back not to indulge in doing something Hashem doesn't want when he knows Hashem is is intimately involved with creating him a second ago, now and in the next second, every in a nanosecond. Everything. By the way, even the thing he wants to indulge in is also being created by Hashem right now. So, like, how, how are you going to sin when you're so intimately involved with Hashem and he's creating and he's right near you? And even if you think, wow, there's many things that disturb me from, from serving Hashem. But... So, you know, what do you want? Hashem, what do you want? You made me such an appetite. What do you want from me? But we know that as a believers, the children of believers, we know this with, with, a, with a full um, confidence and zichakait and, 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 um, is certainty. Yes, we know this with certainty that even the things that disturb us from connecting to Hashem are also just now connect, 
They were also just now cre created by Hashem, <clears throat> just like in the six days of creation. So it can't be, look, if, if my biggest vice, my biggest uh, stumbling block is in front of me, I say, look, Hashem, what do you want? I'm just, I, I, can't, I can't hold myself back from this thing. But we know that Hashem's creating that thing now also, which means that it's it's not Hashem overlooked. Oh, I, I can't hold myself back from this. Hashem, you must have overlooked that piece of delicious whatever it is I'm not supposed to eat. And uh, I can't hold it. I can't help me myself. I just got to go have it. But if you realize that Hashem's creating that too, what do you think he created it for? He created it for, so you should have the challenge, right? So you, So how can you do what Hashem doesn't want? Right? It doesn't make sense. Ah, if so, so Taka, how does a Jew sin? Doesn't make any sense. Insanity. You know how? The answer is he knows. He's aware in his brains that Hashem is creating what the game plan is and the thing that's calling out to him, you know, and then, and enticing him. It's created by Hashem also, and the purpose is for him to overcome it. But at the time of the deed, there's a temporary lapse, a forgetfulness of, of all these details. And he, you know. So when you have proper mindfulness, zikhira, remembrance, and a yid is in a proper state of remembrance, <clears throat> automatically the negativity drips off him. It's it's it becomes cancelled. And he does what Hashem wants because he's in a state where he knows Hashem is creating, Hashem created, is creating, will create. Everything here is him. Of course, I'm going to do what he wants. What am I going to be like? And then, all his deeds will be for the sake of heaven. Whatever he does, everything he does will be to know Hashem. He's not going to think of Hashem, he's going to do something outside of Hashem. So you're saying rightfully, there's a ruach shtus, there's a, there's a, a spirit of folly, there's a temporary insanity. And really what that means is there's a forgetfulness. There's a, he's, he's not mindful at that time of what's going on. And that's the reason why when you say the 13 attributes of mercy, there should be a wrapping in a talus. And as Rashi brings here, he showed him the knot of the tefillin. There should be also, you should be wrapped up in the tefillin because the concept of these two mitzvahs is about what? When you see the, 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 the fringes, you'll remember all the mitzvahs. It's a, it's a memory jolter. It's a memory. And about the tefillin, it says, will be a sign on the and a remembrance between your eyes. The tefillin serves as a remembrance. And therefore, these things are relevant to be able to rectify and uproot the sin which if you if you uproot the sin, if you fix it, then Hashem says, I will give you grace, I will give you mercy. So that the wrapping in the Talisant film, when Hashem's teaching, Moshe Rabbeinu, these words about mercy and about forgiveness wrapped in Talisant film, he's showing him that the context from within which he's going to forgive is from Talisant film concept when when that there's a, an effort to remember Hashem again because the sin came in an absence of remembrance, an absence of talus and tefillin, uh, uh, at least, or at least the, the, the message of talus and tefillin. Paragraph 6, according to this, we'll understand why he showed him the knot of tefillin. Why Dafka the knot? In the Zohar of this week's parsha, Zohar says a story. 
that Rabchia and Rav Yossi, they would make knots, I guess, in their belt, not to forget the words of Torah that they heard. And it says, A, in Achreinim, it says, it's brought, that this is a source in Torah to the fact that people say that making a knot is a way not to forget. It's it's a it's a it's a tip. It's a practical tip not to forget something that you want to remember. Today, what do we do? We want to remember something. I'll put a reminder in the phone. Make a note in the phone. Put a reminder, an alarm. If you want to remember something, you take your belt and make a knot. Then when you see it, you remember there's something you want to remember. It's a, it's a it's a it's a tool that jogs your memory. Interesting that there's the Rebbe brings in a in a footnote here that the that the the Medrash says. You remember uh, Yosef asked for the butler to remember him. The Medrash says he tied knots not to forget Yosef. I guess it didn't work. Also in the Shulchan Aruch it says why are we why is the main thing of the tzitzis the fact that we tie knots tzitzis are about tying up onto the garment with knots that same concept because you when somebody wants to remember remind somebody of something he tells him to put a knot in your belt and then you remember there's something you need to remember it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a jogging memory it jogs your memory it reminds you but let's see how does this tie in a little bit more uh, um essentially not just Okay, we understand. Uh, you made a knot in your belt to remind you something. Technically, you could tell him, uh, put your hat on upside down and you'll remember. What, why, is there something special about knots that helps us remember? So the Rebbe says it like this. What's the connection between knots and memory? And we can explain according to what is explained in Tanya. He explains that um, it says if a person did a sin, Chazal tell us, our sages tell us, Adama vara vira, a person transgress the sin. What should he do and live? It says, if he's used to reading one blot, one page of Gemara, he should read two pages. What is this analogous to? This is like an analogy when somebody has a rope that's torn, that's frayed, you connect it again, you, 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 you make a knot in the place where the two, where the rope has frayed, and in this way, you strengthen the rope. Where is the rope even more Powerful, even more strong at the place of the knot. It's a, it's, it's doubled over. The connection there is doubled over, and now it's become even stronger. So when somebody has to repair himself to come back to Hashem, he used to learn one page of Gemara. That was good before he got ripped. When his rope got ripped, and now he's disconnected from Hashem, and he has to connect to Hashem. Learn double, tie a knot, learn double. Ah, so what do we see? we see that the concept of tying in the spiritual connotation is connecting to something in a in a in, in a more powerful with a, with a, with an extra added va uh, uh, strength and in that way the connection now is a double and double of double connection which becomes a rectification for the sin because if you if the place that you fell the place that you sinned you go back there and you address it and you now get even better at that. So you're better off than if you wouldn't have sinned, in a sense. You have an even stronger connection. And, right. Because when you connect yourself with Kedusha, with holiness, in a way that you're tying it, so then the problem of forgetfulness, which is the reason for sin, will, will elude you, will not be there.
So because it, it's that way spiritually, that the concept of making a tie and not spiritually drives away, cancels out the connection to klipa, to negativity, which is the source of forgetfulness. So that's why also in the physical realm of the world, it becomes that if you want to avert forgetting something, tie a knot, and that will help you remember it. Says that ever really this traces back to the spiritual source of that, which is when you did a sin, which is from forgetfulness, you tie a knot. In other words, you do the mitzvah in a, in a double way, and then you won't have that forgetfulness. So the knot takes you away from forgetfulness of Hashem. So this is also, it, it descends into this world also in that way that a knot will be used to remind you of things. Um, and from this, yeah, paragraph seven. And this is also the connection where it says, Pasuk says, you will see my back. He showed him the kesher, he showed him the knot of the tefillin. This is connected with the fact that he taught him the order of praying for mercy. When Hashem, who taught Moshe, the order of praying for mercy, which generates the forgiveness and the rectification for the sin. So he showed him, by showing the knot of tefillin, he's not just showing him an unrelated thing. He's showing him the way to fix sin, which is through a knot. Through a knot of tefillin, through a, a very strong connection that tefillin affords, in other words, a strong connection of Kedush of holiness. Especially remembering that everything is constantly renewed by Hashem. Through this, when we make sure that a person doesn't fall into a state of forgetfulness, through having a proper remembrance in all matters of holiness and Jewishness, so this, if we strengthen ourselves, this is not just what happened to Moshe Rabbeinu, but this is a lesson to us. We have to strengthen ourselves in remembering Hashem's presence at all time, Hashem's renewed, renewing of creation at all time, and not to fall into the forgetfulness which allows us to sin because we're not mindful of, Hashem, of Hashem's constant presence right here with us and His constant creation. When we better ourselves in this way, remember all the things of Kedusha, so we'll merit to have the fulfillment of the, prophet, the prophecy, the neglect by Hashem, the glory of Hashem will be revealed. Everybody will see that Hashem is speaking. In other words, we won't need to have zikaron, we won't need to have a remembrance because we'll see it. It says we will all see. You only need to remember something that you can't see, but you have to think about it and remember. It says when Mashiach comes, we will see what does it mean that the mouth of Hashem speaks? We'll see that creation is happening as a result of Hashem's utterances at every single second. This will be when Mashiach comes, speedily in our days. So this is the, the Sikha.